welcome to the first episode of Panic at the Dungeon. Hope you guys enjoy uh, our little podcast here. Uh, For the first one, two episodes, I'll be talking about how to make your own adventure, uh, homebrew, or uh, if you're running an adventure module, how to read through it and how to be able to uh, get a sturdy campaign and make it to where you're not on the fly reading a bunch of shit and people going, oh god, what? Um, yeah. And then, uh, after about one or two episodes, we will be starting our Panic of the Dungeon series, uh, which I will be the dungeon master for a group of players who just resolved their last campaign. Uh, so there will be a little bit of notion, uh, and mention to the last campaign, but most of it is just going to be, uh, the straight up new campaign everyone. So I'm going to today talk to you about that campaign without spoilers. So that way, you know, whenever you watch the show, you go, oh shit, that fucking happened. What? Because that's always really fun. Quick shout out to not our sponsors because we don't have any sponsors. Uh, Critical Role, Critical Role. We will not reach a hundredth of what that podcast has reached, but we will support them no matter what. Go donate to any other Kickstarters that they have still active. I don't know if they have one still active currently. But, um, go, just go show Critical Role some love. They are what inspired me and the rest of the group to do the podcast. It's just me today, because I'm going to be talking somewhat about the campaign. But, yes, go support Critical Role. They're amazing. You probably already know who they are. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing. Anyway, now on to, uh, kind of like the actual episode itself. So, basically, I'm going to be talking about the Dungeons... Dragon's 5th edition, that's the edition that we're using, um, and I'm going to be talking about the current adventure that I run, I, you can't see it here, uh, but I have a leather bound, uh, notebook that I got at half price books for about five bucks, and it's a nice little notebook, it allows me to not only keep track of the notes that I have currently in the campaign, but it also allows me to, uh, draw maps, and as long as you don't mind drawing over lined pages, I guess you can do the same. Um, but yes, um, I'm going to kind of give you a little backstory about where this place is on a map. Um, this isn't in Forgotten Realms. Uh, it is in my own universe. Um, partly my own universe. I got inspiration and a few names from a role-playing game called Basic Fantasy. It is an OSR game. Uh, basically it's meant to replicate, uh, like second edition D&D. And uh, they have created a little world where the pre-made adventure modules for that game take place in Glane. And I really like the name, and I've been a longtime fan of Basic Fantasy. And I figured I'd use it over in my campaign. I in no means created Glane, nor did I create all the weird things that are in it. Um, There are two names that I use from there, and I just want to go ahead and say that they're not mine. That was Glane, which is the actual name itself, the name of the continent, I guess you would say, itself, and, uh, another one that I did not use was, or that I used, but is not mine, is the Dragonclaw Barony, um, that is a town in the Tales from the Laughing Dragon adventure, uh, if you haven't played Basic Fantasy, I highly recommend you go check it out, and, uh, it's a very fun little game, especially if you're looking for something that's kind of intro to D&D, uh, highly recommend you check it out. 
on Amazon. You can buy the Core Rulebook for $5. We're not sponsored by them. We just want to give them some love because uh, they're what inspired us to start our stuff. We actually started off our campaign in basic fantasy and not uh, D&D uh, because of, it's a great system and I highly recommend you go check it out. Anyway, back on to the adventure. Um, it takes place in a world called Glane. Or not really a world, but on the continent of Glane. Uh, in my world, we have several different places connected together. So several different continents from different places are connected. For example, if you're familiar with Critical Role, as I mentioned earlier, the Tal'Dorei um, continent in which all of that takes place is considered another continent in our world, and we're kind of building it as we're going, so it's not a complete world, but uh, that's kind of how we're working our D&D world together, so we can have different things and different uh, worlds, technically, from D&D all in one, so the world of Glane is a very small continent, it's about, you know, maybe a thousand miles long and half that wide. So for a continent, that's pretty small. It's about an Australia continent, if not smaller. Um, and it's your basic D&D continent. Uh, it's got a large river that runs through most of it and a lake that sprouts out in the middle of it. It's got a large city called uh, Dathmir. And Dathmir is the uh, is a city similar to like Waterdeep, um, just not as much of a metropolis, but uh, it's a large city, uh, there's a lot of gang activity there, but overall it's very civilized, that's where the high council, the seven elders of the high council lie, um, and then of course there, are, it's the central government for that area, and it's surrounded by a large stone wall that you cannot really find, and you can't get in unless you are allowed admission, and most people can't get out unless it's for trade or something of that, that matter. Um, where our campaign will be taking place, for the start of it, is the Dragon Claw Barony. Now, I did use the name from Basic Fantasy, but I did not take any of the maps or anything like that from it. But uh, the Dragon Claw Barony, it is in the middle of a forest, uh, and it's about five miles from the giant lake that's there in uh, this almost the dead center of the map and the dragon claw barony is completely it's surrounded by three graveyards uh, because uh, a nearby city about 30 miles away forest hide um, also buries its dead there and basically instead of forest hide is completely in the middle of the forest and is a kind of city or more of a commune for druids and rangers and people who want to stay as close to nature as possible so there's not a lot of legitimate houses or taverns it's in forest hide there is a lot of just tents and um, you know a lot of farms for growing uh, plants um, so about that's about 20 30 miles from uh, Dragon Claw Barony. So they bring their dead over there so they can give them a proper burial instead of one of their freaky druidic 
religious burials. So the uh, Council of Barony, uh, the Council of the Barony, uh, which is uh, a three-person council, Elder Shafma, Elder Ebrick, and Elder Sergor. Uh, Elder Shafma is a wizard elf, uh, Elder Ebrick is a dwarf fighter, and Elder Sergor is a barbarian human. Uh, and a little backstory on each of these because you will be hearing about them in the campaign. Um, uh, Elder Shafma, he is a very, he's very young for an elf. Uh, he's a bit over a hundred and a half years old. Um, so he's not super old for an elf. But uh, he's very he's wise beyond his years, and he's grown quite a lot. Um, he has studied in all eight, I believe, schools of magic, and he's able to. Uh, he, if we're talking statistic-wise, is a 12th level wizard. Um, that's if we're talking statistic-wise. But lore-wise, he is wise beyond his years, and he is the main uh, decision maker of the council for what happens in the barony. Ebrick is a very uh, wise fighter. He is basically the general of everything in uh, the Dragonclaw barony. Uh, he is able to kind of command the armies if something bad is going on, but nothing usually happens here uh, that they can't handle or they can't hire a few mercenaries to handle instead of wasting the man hours of paying the troops and risking the lives of the troops in case of an emergency. So uh, that's also when Elder Sergor comes in. He's very connected to nature and sometimes he will go out and lead these expeditions of mercenaries instead of Ebrick. So Ebrick can command, can continue to command the uh, more uh, military side of the town. So, it's a pretty small town. It's on the outskirts of the town are more forest and housing. A lot of people live in uh, houses that are built around trees or houses that are in trees, like uh, Child's Playhouse. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, I thought I did an okay job at making all of them uh, like that. But uh, the town, it's got six shops in it. Uh, it's got a tavern, it's got a hotel that is also a necromancy shop. Don't worry, that's not a huge spoiler into the thing. It's not really a spoiler at all. There's a bakery, there's a blacksmith slash armory, there's a small magic shop where you can buy some mediocre potions that you're not sure will work, and there is a town hall, and the town hall is where the three elders reside. It is quite large. Uh... But basically, for the uh, story, uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, the basic story is that a necromancer has been on the outskirts of town, rising the dead. And the dead at night are coming into the town as skeletons and zombies. And the ones that are too weak... Um, Die. And so when you wake up in the morning, you hear, feel, you smell and hear rotting bones and see the bones of uh, lost loved ones and you're not sure whose, but there is a pattern that they think the 
bones from specific places or trying to go back to where they once lived. So sometimes uh, old drunks that never really meant anything to anyone, and their bones end up outside the tavern. And sometimes uh, bones from lost loved ones end up outside of the houses or tree houses of their loved ones. And basically, uh, only the strong skeletons and zombies really survive. Uh, the rest of the bones are just left around and can't be. They're moved back into the grave, but then a few days later, they're back where they were until about 50 of the graves are completely emptied. After these 50 graves are emptied and they are not coming back, they put the bones back from the uh, lost loved ones that apparently weren't strong enough uh, to make the cut. And whenever they do, they don't rise again. And they know there's an evil necromancer because he strolls his way through town and he uh, often bickers with people and has done a few murders, but anytime a town's guard has tried to, or, you know, multiple town's guards have tried to stop him from doing anything. He's able to kill them very quickly with a simple point of the staff or a simple uh, slit of the throat. Uh, he's very quick. He's very agile. He's older, but he's at the same time very young. Uh, he's spry. He's able to run around. Uh, he's as good in close hand combat as he is in his works of necromancy. So he becomes a very dangerous target for the things. Now we do not know what he's planning to do with these bones, with the people that he's taken, um, the stronger ones. So in other words, the bodies, the bones and bodies of older dead warriors that once fought for the town or people who are descendants of royal blood. Um, he does not know. We do not know what he's going to do with them. We don't know whether he's building an army or what's happening, but he is definitely up to no good with whatever he's doing because he's very selective on which uh, monsters he allows to keep. After inspection of the graves, you are able to tell very quickly that he is definitely taking out certain people with him and then the other people of bones we find around the town are definitely just after effects and collateral damage from when he rises the other ones uh, it's very hard for the townspeople because they're seeing their lost loved ones their bones appear at their door and not knowing what to do been a hell of a mess for the council to clean up and considering that there's hardly any magic in the council or in the army the military for the uh, dragon claw barony it's been kind of a huge mess the only magic user is our friend uh, sorry Shafma and uh, he just really doesn't want to uh, risk his life because he is the only magic user besides local small magic users who can at best cast a fireball uh, 
but everyone else is, uh, they're mainly trying to protect him because there's been several death threats towards him because people of the town are thinking, well, why is he doing this to us? And then the necromancer himself has been sending death threats to uh, our lovely Shafma, uh, the high elf wizard of the Dragon Claw Barony. So, with not knowing what to do, they call in some local adventurer, mercenary type people, um, which are our three adventurers. Uh, sometimes four, if he decides to show up and let his nerdy ass self go. Um, but mainly it's going to be three adventurers. There is a paladin named Joan of Arc. And Joan of Arc is uh, very wise behind her years, but she definitely has some issues to work on and has almost had her paladin powers revoked. There's a cleric named Philly Battlehammer. He's a dwarf cleric. Uh, Joan of Arc is a human paladin. Uh, there's a dwarf cleric. He's a life domain cleric, for if you want to know specifics. And uh, his name is Philly Battlehammer. Philly Battlehammer is usually ends up being here in these adventures, not really wanting to be and saving his friend's ass because they're stupid. Um, then we have our final, definitely not least, a halfling uh, thief named Tinkerbell, or halfling rogue, sorry, named Tinkerbell. And Tinkerbell, Tinker dash Bell. Tinker is her first name, Bell is her last name. Uh, and Tinkerbell is uh, a very uh, stealthy thief and uh, yeah, halfling thief as I've already said <sighs> excuse me, sorry I've had a long night uh, it is currently almost 4 o'clock in the morning so I've had a long night getting things prepared for this episode um, anyway uh, these are the three Adventurers they've decided to recruit, and their occasional friend, Ko Nun, the Barbarian, uh, who just basically says, I rage, and attacks stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that is basically our adventuring party, who has been signaled to uh, kind of help out with this uh, task. Uh, they have not been given any information yet about the task. At the beginning of the campaign, they will be talking to the elders of the barony about what's happening and what they're going to do. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a few people of notice. Uh, these are people of interest. These are just kind of people that you should probably be aware of. They will come up frequently uh, in the campaign. And they're very interesting uh, figures and kind of people take note of the elders of the council, obviously. Uh, tavern master, he uh, knows a lot. He does a lot. His name is Matthew Mercer. Uh, hence, critical role mentions earlier. Uh, it is literally Matthew fucking Mercer. Like, there's no. Like, it looks like Matthew Mercer. It is Matthew Mercer, but with a mustache, like he has in the Undead Wood series. <laughs> Um, yeah, 
And then there is the reverend slash priest uh, named David. And he basically goes around and he's always trying to help and save people. And he usually can't because he's very bad at his job. And the church is still slowly dwindling down because of how uh, few people he can get. Uh, and the church is outside of town uh, in the forest. And most people won't even go there because of how far it is in the forest. There's a thief by, the, by an unknown name. He knows about anything in the black market. Uh, he's a very easy figure to spot when it comes to narrative. Uh, and the way he talks, you'll know who this character is as soon as I introduce him into the story. And then there's a local warlock named Ambrose, who in their last campaign accepted a note to decipher uh, from uh, an unknown source. And he is taking it to someone to decipher, and he will be back soon with that note, telling them what it says. Anyway, those are the characters of notice. And then I want to talk a little bit about how I run my game and how it's structured. I've kind of given you a basic plot line, a world, and a few characters, uh, NPCs, that are in my world. And then I said, okay, that's an adventure. A lot of you are going, wait, what the fuck? That's an adventure? And I like to run my adventures almost like a sandbox, where this is the main quest... But if you decide not to follow it, I'll figure something out or something will happen and you'll have to end up facing it. It's not like one of those things where you can just say, I'm going to ignore the skeletons and the necromancer. Yeah, you can and you can go off and drink in the tavern or do whatever the fuck you want. But after a little bit, there's going to be some more activity in the town and you're going to go, hey, wait, 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 what? And it's going to get in your way and you're going to have to do something about it. Now, there's also the whole idea of I have most of the town itself set up uh, on a Chessex game mat. So if any of the characters would say, I want to go explore that place. Well, I know exactly what to do if they want to explore that place. Um, And it's almost like I have a full world like if you were playing a video game I'm trying to make it as open world as possible and saying I can go wherever I want whenever I want and no one's going to tell me anything about it but if there are troubles that you find along the way you know you can ignore those in any way shape or form you want to you can run away from them you can straight up head on fight them Um, you can tease them It's all completely up to the players, and that's kind of how I like to run my games, is make it completely up to the players. Um, But yes, so if you're a new coming Dungeon Master, I recommend you uh, kind of run your games like this. Uh, It can be a little bit difficult at first, and it requires quite a bit of planning, but it is a very fun way, in my opinion, to run your D&D games, because it allows the players to have several moments of, oh, that's cool. And also, when you see your hard work pay off like that, you're going, yeah, 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 it fucking is cool. Anyway, um, I think I will be concluding this episode, uh, and honestly, this should be the only episode, and then on the next episode, we will be doing our podcast, 
of uh, our D&D called Panic at the Dunge Dungeon. So thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoyed this video, or not a really a video, but uh, this podcast, and uh, have fun. Mm -hmm.